Namaste, my good people. My name is Kathy Patton. And my name is Odell Montgomery Cooper. We are your hosts this evening for Interruptions, Disrupting the Silence. We welcome you. Kathy and I will be recording six limited editions to promote the upcoming online production called Interruptions, Disrupting the Silence, to broadcast Labor Day weekend. Kathy and I are going to have real talk. We're going to talk about issues raised in the production that have interrupted our lives and probably yours. We will have honest reflections, discussions, debates, and laugh at our gullibility. The name of the broadcast is depictive of what happened in my life in 2016. My family and I were living a happy and successful life. As a mother, I could finally breathe knowing that my two children who were in their 20s had finally discovered their niche in life. Until one day in April, my life was interrupted when my son, Coop, became another casualty to gun violence and was murdered by mistaken identity. That night began a four-year journey of traumatic events. Throughout the next six podcasts, you will hear how I finally acknowledged and began to accept my PTSD and depression my employment ended, I became detached from relationships, suffered addiction, had thoughts of suicide, and as a reverend, struggled to cope with my faith and God's decision. In addition to all of that, I suffered a brain aneurysm. Like most of, like most of us, while I was healing, we have a pandemic. In the last four years, I learned much about myself and the importance of listening to my body. It is important for me to share my journey on how I finally broke the silence on my inherited traditions, societal stigmas on mental health, so that others can do the same. Thank you, Odell. And while those are Odell's interruptions, the commonality of my fallout is when my life was interrupted over 27 years ago when my daughter was diagnosed with autism. So this evening we have with us some of the staff and cast of Interruptions. We have Jonathan Behrman, who is the Director of Music, Alexis Kone, who is the Stage Manager, and Abigail Anwanali, who plays the role of Star, Coop's sister. And we hope that um, Malachi Beasley will be joining us, who plays the role of Tremaine. Um, but before we move on, I have to back up to Odell. So Odell, I need you to tell me how this happened because I know going through your journey and everything you went through, I remember you telling me that you were going to write your story, you were journaling, especially since your sleep was interrupted. But then the next thing I know, I'm getting an email from you for an invitation to your table reading. So just kind of back up for us and tell us how that all came to be. Okay. Um, it was probably eight months into my recovery from the brain aneurysm. I had been invited to a local, um, a political fundraiser, and I was reluctant to attend. Um, I got really tired of always saying my son was murdered, I suffered a brain aneurysm, and no, I'm not working there anymore. So it's always a relation, it's, it's always a killer of a conversation. So I was trying to find another way to describe myself and be able to catapult myself onto a, a, a journey of healing. So my doctor told me I needed to reinvent myself. So that was the words that I was going to use. So I'm at the fundraiser and Jonathan is, is there and I'm talking to people and true to form, someone says, hey, Odell, how you doing? What are you doing with yourself? And I said, I'm reinventing myself. And they laughed, joked, talked it off, and kept moving with the conversation, all except for Jonathan. He left, he got something to eat, and he came back and stood there. And he says, tell me more. What does that mean that you're reinventing yourself? And that's how this happened. So Jonathan, I'm going to jump to you. <laughs> So what was it that sparked you? What was so curious for you that when she used the terminology reinvent yourself, what made you say to her and what was it that she said to you that made you say, not only did she have to write her story, but this now had to become a production? 
so I, I think part of it was inspired by the fact that I, I, Odell was one of the first people that I met when I moved to Connecticut. Uh, we met at church. It, it had to have been around 1995 or so. Um, so, so I've known her uh, for most of my adult life. Um, so with that in mind, it, it became important to me to, something said to me, go back and ask her, what does she mean? What does she mean about reinventing herself? Uh, uh, and I, I would say, it, it, it is a person of faith, it was the Holy Spirit telling me to go back and <laughs> ask her uh, what in the world she means by that. Um, and as she was talking, um, I, I, and, and she told me all that had happened and, and, and what she had been going through, I thought about uh, Johannes Brahms, who, who wrote uh, the Requiem, the, 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 what we know as the Brahms Requiem, after his mother died. His mother was his all in all in his life, and in order to cope with her death, he wrote one of the best known choral works uh, uh, that we still perform today. And that was out of response to his grief. So I said, you know what? Uh, this reinventing yourself is an interesting, interesting story. And, and, and you might want to consider an artistic way of telling it to help people through their own um, interruptions. So Jonathan, did you know that Odell had had an aneurysm? I know that you were there through the passing of her son and the trauma that she went through during that period of time, but did you know that she had had an aneurysm? I knew that, that her son had passed. I knew that she had had an aneurysm, uh, uh, but there, in talking to her, you would not have known it had she not told you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So Alexis, when did you come on board? Um, what's your relationship with Odell and how has this been? And I don't want to say the journey that she went through because it's still a journey, right? We continue to go through this journey. So what was your connection with Odell? How did you get involved? Yeah, I actually got involved um, quite recently, if you think about it, in the scale of events. Um, Actually, uh, I didn't know before, but Sora Odell and I are Sorors. We're members of the same sorority. Um, members, we're members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And actually, my line sister who went to Yale with me, her name is AK, she connected me to Odell because she is, she's sort of like my mentor in terms of theater. She goes to the graduate school that I'm fortunate to be attending in the fall. Um, and she has worked on so many different theatrical productions during her time at Yale. And she, of course, knew, have, has a lot of connections to the New Haven Community Theater. And so she learned about this opportunity. She's a member of the New Haven alumni chapter currently. Um, and so all these connections kind of led me to learning about this opportunity. And I reached out to Reverend Odell and uh, just wanted to learn more about the project. And so she shared it with me. We had a phone call and it was really nice to learn about her story. And I felt really honored to have heard about all the things that she went through and continues to go through. And you know, that things, things happened and I luckily signed on to the project and here we are today. Um, and I feel very fortunate to be working on this project with so many amazing people and so many community members that have become involved in a variety of different roles and ways and that's part of the reason I wanted to work on the show is because I I mean I'm a kid I'm from Connecticut I was born here um, and I have a really strong loving connection with my community so of course I wanted to take the opportunity as there aren't really many opportunities now given uh, the COVID-19 situation to yes. work on theater and connect with people especially so this is a really great opportunity that I wasn't going to pass up. Yeah, in, in the midst of planning, this was supposed to be a stage production, and then COVID-19 happened, so which was our interruption, right. and we had to shift from a theatrical production on stage to an online production, and therefore all the people that we thought were going to be available to audition and put in their, um, their, their resume 
were no longer on campus. <laughs> they were home, school had closed, the city had shut down. And so posting became very challenging in terms of how we were going to find people. And Alexis came on board at the right time. Great, great. And Alexis, it's not lost on me that Odell is sitting in front of her red and white wall and we have this <laughs> conversation all the time. So if I had known that, I would have had my pink and green um, blanket hanging up behind me. But we're not going to make that about that today. Um, <laughs> so that's great, though. And, the, and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, bringing up our young people and giving them opportunities. So that's really yes. wonderful. So, um, Jonathan, I'm going to I'm going to ask all three of you. And then, of course, we're going to um, get to Eliz uh, Abigail. But I, I just want to ask all three. Well, first, Jonathan and Alexis. This is not your average type of production, right? Because it is very personal. Jonathan, more so for you, because you were there from the beginning. Um, was it difficult for you in being able to tell her um, to write a story, right? Make this a production. Um, what did you think she was going to give back to you when you said that to her? Well, when, when unctions hit my spirit, uh, I really don't think about what the person is going to do with them. I know what my responsibility is in giving them. Mm -hmm. So when, when I, I told that to her, I had no idea what she was going to do with it. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, some time passed and, and here she was with this book and this production and, and uh, you know, she had organized all of the people to uh, uh, Reverend Anderson to, to write it and, and put it together. So I was elated that, that uh, in some ways that I, was, that I did my job. It was my job to go back and to ask her, uh, what does she mean uh, by reinventing herself? One of the pieces that Jonathan is conveniently leaving out is I told him no. I said, I just had a brain aneurysm. I can't write. I come, I'm learning, I'm relearning how to learn. And I was never able to sing in his choir because I can't sing. I don't do anything theatrical. So this was, this part of my life, this was not anything I knew how to do, had ever done. And I said, no. And before we left the event, Jonathan said, but you know people. And before he let me leave the event, he had me call the two people that the writer and someone else, Alita Staten, to actually say, you know people who can do this. And before he allowed me to leave, I had to place two phone calls and we had a meeting set up. That's awesome. So. That's, that's, that's a good friend, right? It's, and it's someone who knows what you needed as well. Um, and Alexis, for you, while you know you looked at this as an opportunity to work with theater and a production, once you found out about the story, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I think I was introduced to the story in terms of the summary of the play, I would say before I was introduced to Odell. Um, and so obviously that's a very different experience from knowing her for so long like Jonathan has. Um, and so I was introduced to the story and of course I was very moved and I could see the the impact and the, the message and how it can relate to so many people, how it relates to myself. And then having a conversation with Odell over the phone was really important too. Um, and twofold impactful in terms of hearing it from her own voice and the way that she described it. And the ways in which uh, she's still going through these things and reckoning with these things and this journey that's still progressing and going on. and putting on this play, I understood immediately was a part of that journey and very important to recovery and to sharing with other people um, ways to recover. And so, yeah, I, I took that to heart definitely very, from the very beginning. And during the table readings and those processes and meeting with other staff members and coming and putting together the cast has been just stepping stones as a part of the same journey, I think. Very personal and very moving to me as well. Thank you. Uh, so this question is for Jonathan, um, Alexis, and Odell. And then we're going to have conversation with Abigail. How did you uh, pick your cast? 
what was the process and not just the process of like coming in reading and, and getting resumes, but really this is such a personal journey. How did you decide on the cast members that would be part of this production? I'll let you two answer that question, <laughs> please. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can speak to it a little bit. Um, and so, like, uh, like Odell said, it's important the fact that we've kind of encountered this interruption in which everyone is kind of dispersed to so many different places. But at the very core level, we're still in New Haven. Um, all of the, the volunteer uh, voice uh, recordings are going to be voiced by members of the New Haven community, friends of Odell and Jonathan. And um, I think that's a very important aspect that they're also members of the cast. And in terms of those, uh, the core characters, as Odell says, the, the characters that make up for life, really, um, though that selection was a little bit more intimate in terms of really reaching out to the New Haven and, of course, the Yale School of Drama community, because some, some members of the Yale School of Drama community are still in New Haven. Um, due to a variety of factors, it kind of, you could never really tell where um, the actors, community members are going to end up in this sort of pandemic situation. Uh, so we're very thankful that we got um, the responses that we did. And we got to know the actors and we listened to them during the readings. And I think that the, the process of kind of thinking about who is going to ultimately read for those roles was something that is very personal on an individual level to everyone involved, especially Odell, I think hearing her words kind of read back to her um, and a, a character that is supposed to represent her reading as her in the process. I can't even imagine what that was like. Um, so I think that it was a, a variety of different processes, a lot of them mental, I think, because um, regardless of the circumstances that happened, there were so many obviously behind the scenes logistics and things happening. It all really came down to kind of the emotion and how people felt as the readings were taking place. Uh, we had so many people listening to the readings. We had two of them as they took place and people were able to give feedback and the readers themselves were able to talk about how they felt. And so, yeah, all of that was really important into deciding the ultimate uh, construction of our cast. So, and Jonathan, yep. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to mention <clears throat> that I've always known Odell to be an organizer. So, in this idea of reinventing herself, uh, uh, there are uh, she is still using uh, her her innate gifts of, of pulling things together, of organizing. So, so much of this work o Odell did. Uh, Odell has been uh, emailing and finding out processes. Uh, she might not be, be going to an office to work, uh, and, but part of her reinventing herself is still figuring out how she's, how she's going to use the gifts that she does have uh, uh, and, and just her, her natural talent. And she, in many ways, has been spearheaded uh, pulling a cast together, uh, pulling together table readings. Uh, pulling people together who can help write the script, who can help edit a script. Uh, so so I, I think it's fascinating uh, that we are actually sitting here looking at her reinventing herself uh, in this in this whole process of creating this online production. So so I think it's important to mention that. It's, in, it's interesting. It's inter I'm sorry, it's interesting. Odell, I heard you say that before you left when having a meeting with Jonathan, he made you get on the phone and call people before you actually left him, which is when we were doing setting up for the podcast, you did the same thing and said, oh, you're going to call these people right now. Okay, well, don't tell them I said to ask. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what you did what Kathy said. <laughs> so that's where you got it from. You got that from Jonathan. So <laughs> one of the things that we did uh, this time last year was I had Jonathan and Reverend Anderson, who is the writer director for the production, I, and Alita Staten, I sat underneath them asked a whole lot of questions about what's a table reading? What does it look like? What's the timeline? What's a production? 
what's the stage manager? And I had to ask Alexis, what does a stage manager do? I've never had a stage manager. Um, so please educate me on your role. So I became a student and learned and listened. So I couldn't read books. So I did a lot of YouTube and I sat and listened to Jonathan and Reverend Anderson tell me what this was supposed to look like. And I just asked a, a lot of questions. I know talking, speaking of questions, I know you wanted to ask Abigail some questions. Yes, Abigail. So thank you for being on. So there are in the production, we have a, uh, uh, we have a person that is playing my role and someone that is playing the role of my daughter who's in her 20s at the time this takes place, and also hearing the voice of my son's best friend, a young male who's also in his 20s. So we wanted to give voice, not just to what happens to a mother when she loses her son, but what happens to the sibling and the best friend. So we have three main characters in this production and Abigail has come on and interviewed and was accepted, has accepted the position to uh, portray my daughter. Um, and so Abigail, when, how did you first find out about this production and what made you, what was it that made you submit your resume and audition for us? Um, so I, I just like Alex, Alexis Mentor, um, of course, A.K. Payne, uh, who is a playwright at the Yale School of Drama's playwriting um, program, she is the same year as me. We're both first years who are about to go into our second year of Yale School of Drama. And uh, she's one of the, I trust her with anything. She's one of the most brilliant playwrights I've ever, I've ever met. <laughs> and so um, I was she sent in she sent to all of the actors um, um the information for interruption and i read the synopsis of it and i actually was i was like this is this is based on a true story this is somebody's life um the opportunity as an actor to be able to play real people's lives like in front of them you know is a, a rarity so um I thought it was beautiful, so I reached out immediately to Odell and was like, hey, I would like to audition for Star, um, if, if that's still available. The first table re reading was taken, but I was able to come fortunate enough, by the grace of God, to attend the second table reading. And um, just reading the play, I, I read it like four times before I had actually done the reading, and I was like, this is, <laughs> I was like, this is so... Um, it's filled with life within this um, performance. And there, another thing that um, is important to know is that as an actor, that is an actor of faith, um, it is rare that we are, we do pieces that are about faith, right? That, are, that talks about like questioning our faith and questioning God. And, and so to have the opportunity to to perform this is is not only uh, fulfilling for the actor, but it's fulfilling for my spirit. So um, I thought that that was um, inspirational. I'm, I'm so excited to be on. <laughs> Listen, we're excited to have you on. Uh, when you um, read for the second piece, I was getting text messages that said, "Oh my goodness!" I closed my eyes, and she sounds just like your daughter. Um, and your facial expressions, uh, people were texting. I think Jonathan texted me as well and said, oh yeah, she's, you know, she's got, I got, she's got Jackie's mannerism, her, you know, saucy voice. So um, before you even finished the table reading, folks were like, bing, 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 yes, yes, yes to Abigail. Um, and I respect the fact that you even took time out to set up a Zoom with my daughter. Yes. Um, yes. She says, oh, mom, we talked for like 45 minutes and she asked me questions that I couldn't be in the room for. And part of this production, when I wanted my daughter and my, Marcel, my son's best friend, to share their story, they shared their story, they wrote their piece, but I had to leave the house when they gave their information to Jonathan and Lisa. 
they said, these are things we can't say around my mother because she still doesn't believe them about her, her son. And, but they're the truth. And we just need to be able to tell our story. And it was emotional. So I left the house and Jonathan and Lisa heard their stories and shared their voices because it's so important to hear from a young person's perspective of what happens when you lose a sibling. Um, we concentrate just so much on the mother. Um, and if I was married, it would be the father, but I'm divorced. And, but it's important. I, I, I wanted to be transparent and they allowed me the space to do that. And they said, okay, we'll do this. But it's been challenging. It's been challenging for her. She says that oh, she'll, she'll give it to you. She, she approved you. And Abigail, she said, I don't want to see it until it goes um, online production because she had to say to me, I'm still going through it. I'm still feeling the pain and I can't be a part of it as much as you are, but you have my support, but I don't want, she didn't want to do any interviews. Um, so she won't be here. So I had to respect her space, but she said, let Abigail speak for me. <laughs> she has the, she has the voice in the space. So thank you. Um, question for all three of you. Um, Kathy, question for you. You saw the table reading. You know me. You were there. We go to the same church. You knew my son. Um, you know my family. And you and I banter so much back and forth about the pink and green and red and white. We have such love for each other. But you were there when all this happened and how I fell apart. And how I would just ring your doorbell and just sit on your deck and just cry. And you allowed me to do that. And then you had to come to the table reading. So what was that like for you going to the table reading? So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. I know you said you were telling your story, but I, it caught me that it was so real um, that you really shared every piece of you. And so that was difficult for me because I saw what you went through initially. And stupidly, I was texting you during the table meeting to see if you were okay. <laughs> and I'm saying, she's never going to answer this. But it was just something I needed to do because I wasn't okay. Um, I actually had to um, take my video down because it was very emotional for me to hear that. So while you shared your story after and you shared the phone calls and the, and the interaction with the police and shared how Jackie felt and, you know, how your daughter felt and just everything, because I was there with you just to relive that, I think I was more hurt for you to have to relive that. Although I know it was very uh, um, it was your journey. It's something you needed to do or and still need to do to get through that journey. For me, it was extremely emotional because I was hurting for my friend. Thank you. Um, Jonathan, Alexis, Abigail, these questions are for you. Um, Jonathan, I know I'm, I'm going to start with you because you are the reason why we're here. <laughs> your obedience to God. And I clearly say I have to listen to you because I never thought we would be here um, because of the Holy Spirit using you to make this come to life. I have written a book that is with an editor and I kept saying, I can't do, I can't do. And through the spirit, grace of God, I've been able to do. And you were being obedient, but personally, what do you want people to walk away with when they see interruptions? Well, I, I want them to, um, well, one, experience the, this story that, that I don't think is, is really, um, uh, we, we, don't oftentimes, we, we, we don't oftentimes get to hear uh, the real stories of real people uh told from their perspective so so i've been taking these courses at, at southern that have reiterated in me that is it is important for people to tell their truth that uh uh 
so what do I want people to walk away from? One, I, I want them to to walk away uh, being con feeling like they had a connection with this story. All of us have gone through things that have interrupted our lives. Um, and, and in going through those interruptions, we don't always know how to deal effectively with the fact that our life is not going the way we expected it to go. So one of the things I appreciate about the telling of, of this story in, in, in the way that we're doing it is that it addresses uh, the whole concept. No, someone might not have lost a child, but something else happened that, that took them, uh, turned their life completely around. Uh, and they were headed in one direction and now find themselves somewhere else and they need to know what to do about it. I think your story helps people understand uh, what types of things they might need to consider doing uh, uh, once it, it, to reinvent themselves. Yes, thank you. Abigail, you're playing the role of my daughter. You've read the script, you said four times. Um, what's your, how, how are you going to play this role of star? What do you see? in this character that you're connecting with and how you're going to play this. And twofold, what do you want people to walk away with as you're putting your heart into this role? Um, well, I do think, I do think that the, the one thing I do want people, I, I do want your daughter's story to be told through my, my body just to be a, the vessel for her voice. That's all that, I am as an actor is just to be the vessel that helps that story come alive. Um, I think it is it is extremely difficult sometimes to um, to be the actor in this situation because now you are putting yourself in a more empathetic, very vulnerable place because you are feeling the emotions. You know, you are feeling everything um, that is that the, the person who has experienced is going through. And I'm also taking experiences that I have, have gone through and, and try to help make the story come alive. But um, I'm praying, I'm praying that um, what people get out of this is that they see, they see how this woman, uh, how Jackie has, our star, the character has, um, has found a way to get um, through the tribulations um, is finding little moments where she's smiling or finding little moments where she's hurt or finding little moments where she's devastated. I, I want to make sure that the audience feels it um, in a point to the point where it is um, it can be reached through the, the screen. Um, it can be reached through that 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 lens on the film. It can be reached. Um, I want um, to make sure that feeling, that story, is reached. Um, no matter no matter the context in which people take it as, but definitely, um, I, that's what I that's all I wish for. <laughs> Abigail, I'm feeling it just by having you talk about it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, same for you, Alexis. Um, you've recently come on board. Um, you were a connection from AK and I just was able to reach out and said I need some help because the pandemic hit and I everyone's life just started to change. And we and the director said, listen, I'm gonna need a stage manager. I had no idea what a stage manager was. I just said I need a stage manager. And there you were, resume, stage manager. <laughs> um, you've read the script. You're and the School of Drama at Yale. What do you want people to walk away with this involvement? What do you want them to walk away with as you're working with us? You know, uh, I think that what any person who does theater wants from a production is for people to leave feeling, whatever that might mean, feeling deeply. And something that I'm, I'm entering the Yale School of Drama and something that in our department, we really want to focus on with the help of the new chair, who uh, her name is Narda Alcorn. She really cares about the community that exists mm -hmm. within a production and 
the role of the stage manager in helping cultivate that. Um, and in a production like this, where there are so many different emotions and uh, it's so personal and so important that this story is told, but at the same time with, with the care given to the members of the team, the, the creators, the community members, the actors, um, everyone, that's something that's very important to me. And I want that to be reflected to people that view the, the production when it's online. And something that I've always loved is working on new plays. This is not a new story. This is not a new journey for you, Adele, and for the people um, that are involved, people that care about this story. But it is newly written on paper. And that is something, it's going to be new for so many people that view it. And keeping that in mind, it's going to be a fresh experience. And I want people to resonate with it, which I know is going to happen based off of how I've felt reading it, how um, I've seen people react to it in the table readings. And it's just something that you feel automatically when you, when you start working on a production, just the effect that it's going to have on people. And so even though I already have an inkling that we're, we're going to make people feel, it's still something that I'm always going to strive for. And I hope that the, the work and the, the depth with which people that are involved in the production have given um, in terms of their, their thoughts, their creativity, uh, the effort, you lending your story to this production. I want people to be able to feel all of that in its full depth. And I think that they will. So I'm very confident in that. Um, prior to you coming on, um, Jonathan, myself, and the director, Anna Anderson, we were sitting at my dining room table, and they just said, talk, talk about the experience, talk about what happened, and we had sticky boards, we had everything, and I just had to retell the story. So I was retelling this story so that they could figure out how to tell the story. So I just had to talk. And Jonathan said, oh, I like that. We're going to put that in there. Write that one down, you know, where you're hanging up on people when they're calling you and, um, and how you're feeling, you know, when, when people, when Christians call you and they think they're saying the, the right thing, but they're painful questions that they're asking you. He's like, yeah, put that in there. And for me, I had to, I'm thinking, okay, so I have a writer. You're going to write the story. They're like, no, 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 no. You have to write the story. This is your story. And that was the most difficult part to sit and emotionally relive the night that I received the phone call. And how did I receive the phone call? Which family members? What did I do next? How did I hear? Going to the scene of the crime. Um, so I'm not trying to give away the production because we want people to see it. Um, but it's, I had to sit and write and that was painful. I was, I was in my office and tears are just coming down my eyes and I'm writing and Jonathan says, you have to do it. <laughs> you know, you, you have to do this because it's your story. And the part is he's, you know, he's in charge of the music. I've always loved Jonathan's music. And I'm like, Jonathan, do we need music here? He said, this is not a musical. <laughs> I said, it's not a musical. He said, it is your story. And one of the things that he said that I liked, he said, it's when a preacher is preaching, he said that he has to play the music for the preacher to get all hyped up so he can preach. He said, it's not a good sermon. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, I'm not doing that. No, so he, he said, this? You don't need a music. He said, you need subtleties and the story itself speaks for itself. So I've had the support. Um, I've gone through the pain of just rewriting it and crashing, um, not being able to do something every day because of overstimulation, because of the brain aneurysm and pulling back, moving forward. And I'm just so glad you all are on board now so I can let you all do what you do best, because I have no idea <laughs> how you're doing this. Um, so I'm just glad all of you all are on board. But we were going for a stage production. Now we're going to be online. Have, um, I hate to ask this question, but we're all learning something new. Have any of us, have any of you all um, actually been a part of an online production first? 
Abigail? Yes, I have. Um, uh, Yale has, since the pandemic, there was a whole bunch of productions that people wanted to still put up. And so uh, I've done at least two to three productions online already. So Okay. So Adele, I, I need a bigger definition, though, for me. What does that mean, online? What, so what does it look like? Are we, are we seeing people? Are we just hearing people? Are there props? Or what is that? When you say production online, I need all of you to define that for, the, for us, for me and the audience. Jonathan, you want to take a stab at that? So uh, online can mean a whole lot of things. It, 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 uh, sometimes people are in the same room, sometimes they're not. We look at how the news is being done now, where, where they're televised, but they aren't all in the same studio. Uh, they are, they're in their own homes, they're in their own places. And I think part of that is what we, ha uh, we have a, a, a theater uh, that we have arranged to, to film in. And I think part of our challenge and, and our luxury is to be able to tell this story in a way that makes sense. So, so obviously when we, it was conceived as a staged production with everybody in the same room and props and all of these great things and an audience or what have you, but now that it's, it has been reduced to, um, or I say not reduced, but transformed to a video production there, it, it can look differently. Uh, and that's something we still have to really uh, talk about what that looks like. You know, what, what do we want to, what do we want to achieve? Uh, and because there are multiple ways to go, especially in the age of COVID, you could very well have it look like a Zoom production because that's what people are used to, right? Or you could have it look like what we do for church, which is a, uh, essentially a movie where there are yes. different parts put in. Or you could use some, some combination of the two. So I, I'm, I, it'll be fascinating <laughs> to see you know, how this turns out, because conversations where people aren't in the same room could be done this way. All, there are all kinds of possibilities. Okay. One of the things that we are doing um, to, to make sure that we honor social distancing is all of our rehearsals are going to be in Zoom. Correct, Alexis? So the rehearsals will be in Zoom. Um, they have a date where the director has asked them to be off script, which means they know their lines. And I don't know what that date is. So we'll have a date that we'll be filming at Bergamo's Theater, Community Theater in New Haven. So we'll have a date that we'll do a rehearsal there and we'll film there. And what we're doing now, again, to honor social distancing, instead of filming the entire um, production, we'll, we are filming each scene separately so that we can only have limited cast in the theater. So we're filming each scene and the film guy, whatever, he has a, a technical name, excuse me, um, this is a, a new film role. Guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> His name is David Trapazio. He um, works at co-op. He was referred to us by Sharice. And so he's recording and he'll edit, put everything together. The other piece uh, when COVID-19 hit is that we needed to cut uh, cast. So we have a lot of voiceovers. <laughs> um, people, instead of being present, showing up doing cameos, they're now either texting me or calling me and having these conversations. So I had to go to my network, I had to call my sorority sisters, my friends and said, could you read this voiceover? Could you read this? Could you do that? And they've all said, yes, um, yes, I'll do that. So it's been wonderful to have a network of support of people from, from New Haven um, and my friends from high school, they're gonna be reading, reading voiceovers. Never even did heard of a voiceover, but they're doing voiceovers. So we have about 10 to 15 people that voices you'll recognize performing voiceovers for the production. And then wonderful Reverend Kev has been, uh, has the contract. He's gonna host it online. Um, we'll be able to sell tickets through Eventbrite. And when you buy your ticket, you'll receive a link to how to view it online. And for right now, our dates are Labor Day weekend, that's Saturday and Sunday 
and we'll have more specific times as these podcasts go on. To, but every time we turn around, we have another interruption. So we are hoping that this is it. Did I miss anything, Alexis, in terms of this online production? No, Harry, you spelled it out very perfectly. <laughs> okay. So, Kathy, that's what an online production looks like. Thank you. Thank you. So it's interesting. I'm really excited about that. So I heard something from everyone, their journey and how they felt. I really, um, Abigail, I, of course, Jonathan kicked it off. And then when Abigail talked about meeting with your daughter and then um, just from everyone in terms of how they felt uh, reading about your story. So I need to ask you, when you hear them say that, uh, and then when you sat and listened to the story, um, not wrote it, not sitting around your kitchen table, but when you actually were at the table reading, you asked me how I felt. And I want to throw that question back to you. How did you feel? I cried because I had to write it. But when you're living with the text for so long, it's is the actor actually portraying what actually happened, you know? And then Jonathan and Lisa said, they're not going to read the words verbatim. They're putting their own spin on it. So look for them to be themselves. And that's what we want. But there were different pieces of it that I couldn't listen to. Um, pieces that I thought I was going to cry on that I, I didn't. Uh, the piece that was, there were some pieces that were difficult to hear again. And others that were, oh, she nailed it. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's how I was feeling. Or the person that's, or it's Kelly Knight who's playing my character. Um, she was very nice in some scenes. And I'm like, no, nah, you got to get a little bit more attitude <laughs> um, because I was angry. And so Jonathan and Lisa and Alexis will work with them to say uh, more anger. Uh, this is what you need. So we've been blessed to have people who work professionally in trauma centers to be a part of this production and to give us feedback to say, this is where product. This is where trauma showed up. This is how depression appeared, and this is where you dealt with your addiction. And when we finished the second table reading, my trauma specialist was in the room, and I had to go back and rewrite two scenes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. She says, you got to go deeper, Odell. And what she did was she went back to the office. She pulled out my file and said, when you met with me three years ago, this is what you said, this is what you were feeling. So she gave these words back to me and then I had to, re I had to rewrite them and put them in the script. Um, but just hearing it is being able to help another person identify that this is not something you can pray away. I'm, 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 my faith is strong. I, my faith is there, but I was mad at God. And our tradition says we're not supposed to be mad at God, but I was, and I wrestled through that. And I never hardened my heart, but I was mad and I questioned why. And I was angry, not angry. I was angry. I didn't understand that this is what God had for my life and I don't want it. I, I want something else. And, but I want to be able to know that even though I prayed and I wrestled with God, I could not have, I would not be where I am today if I didn't have the network of support that I had and counseling. And in our culture, you don't go to counseling. Counseling is taboo. My daughter was told young women don't go to counseling, you'll be okay. My son's best friend, they would say, yeah, you're a strong black man, you'll be fine. But if we weren't fine, we were all in our different places dealing with trauma, dealing with the loss. And I want people to see themselves because trauma is trauma. COVID-19 is another layer of trauma that has 
hit our community and we can't just cover it up. We have to be able to say, how do I write my own, um, my own narrative, my own story that I wanna heal, that I wanna live better than how I'm living. We have our community, they're suffering with addiction as I did. And you know, who thinks, you know, educated masters, teachers at a seminary, you know, professional, professional person has an addiction. You know, people, people don't want to know how you got through. They just want to know that you got through, that you're on the other side. So I decided to stop and I wanted to be transparent and show the pitfalls of me falling and getting back up, falling, needing help. Asking for help was the hardest thing. Saying, I don't know how to do something. I can't feed myself. I can't feed my family. I can't pay my bills. And then having the network of support of people that came to my rescue. So it was challenging, but it was remarkable to see. Some of my sorority sisters said, I didn't realize you had gone through it that way. And they're like, I wish I, I had known. So I want to be able, it was, it was great seeing it to your question. Um, it was difficult hearing it. And it's still going to be difficult because I will not come to all these rehearsals because I can't relive it again. You all have to work it out and I'll see. I have to trust Jonathan, Lisa, and Alexis to really do what they're supposed to do with this because I cannot be there. But in the end result is that I want people to realize that we can't pray this away. You can't pray away PTSD and depression, um, alcoholism. You can't just pray it away. You need counseling and you need help. And this is what we have to do. So I'm telling that story. And so far, everyone's pushing me and allowing me that space and holding me while I do this. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And when you hear Abigail say to you that she met with your daughter um, on Zoom for about 45 minutes, is a part of you want to pull Abigail inside and say, what did she say? Nope. Or, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and, and so part, part of me probably would want to do that. What is it? Are you respecting the process or why wouldn't you want to do that? I have to respect that God's been involved all along mm -hmm. and I cannot intervene. Um, she, it was difficult to get Jackie, my, my daughter to come on board. And when she finally said, yes, she says, you have to let me tell the story my way and how it happened for me. And I have to give her that space to do that. So I can't intervene. I promised her that I would not. And I trust God. Um, God used Jonathan to get us here, and we've had a lot of interruptions, um, still fundraising, still doing everything that we need to do um, to get this to production, and I have to trust, I'm trusting God. Thank you. Abigail, how did you, how do you feel, you know you had that conversation with Jackie, and were you at all worried when you were doing your performance? Were you worried about how Odell would feel in terms of the, what you had to share during the production? Or were you simply just moving through and saying, I'm going to do this um, to be the best person that I can be in terms of performing her, her part? I think at first um, when I was starting, of course, that there's always that fear of like, Am I messing this up? Am I, am I not sounding like her? Am I not really taking her on? I think in the, in the time that we were, I was talking to Jackie, um, she, she gave me permission to, to do as I feel um, um, with the performance, which made it a lot more comfortable for me to go in. I listened to her voice. I recorded it. I listened to her voice. I was like, let me hear it. Let me, let me make sure that I am in the same register as her. I mean, I'm not going to be her. At the end of the day, there's no way my body can 100% be her, but I can try my best to play her to the best of my ability. So yes, there was a lot of fear. Um, like, 
it might be my sounding right but at some point as you have to let that go and just let the performance take over because the words that i was saying was taking more power and more um precedence over um my opinion of what i thought people were thinking yeah Great, thank you for sharing. And then Jonathan, I'm purposely coming to you last. So Alexis, <laughs> um, how did you feel? Abdel uh, raves about the perfect, um, oh, we've lost Alexis, okay. Yes. All right, so Jonathan, I'm gonna jump to you. Did you at all have a concern about how Odell would take this? Once you saw it all together, were you concerned about how she would feel actually seeing the performance? So Odell was was a part of the script writing, and uh, I think it helped to. She knows what she wrote, uh, and, and here we are. Well, so we are we are a year into this, so she knows what she wrote. She knows uh, uh, what's in the script, um, and 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 if anything, the the concern is that we get it right. Uh, it, when when telling when telling her story, uh, and and Jackie's story, uh, uh, Star story, and uh, I forgot the other name that we gave. Tremaine. Tremaine. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 the the major thing is that we tell the story so that it has impact, uh, and. Uh, so it, it, it is more a question of how is the audience taking it? It ought to make Odell cry. Uh, uh, when somebody tells your story and it allows you to relive it, it should make you cry. Mm -hmm. There's some part of it that connects with you. There's a truth and, there, and there's healing in the ability to cry. You know, uh, uh, and, and hopefully the, 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 the crying, yes, is, is, is sometimes reliving the story, but it's also in the fact that it's honestly told. Uh, so, so my concern with Odell is making sure that whatever we're saying resonates with her in an authentic way. Uh, if it resonates with her in an authentic way, I know it will resonate with the audience who's seeing this for the first time, the second time, and even the third time. Uh, uh, because this, and, and I can honestly say, I, I, I don't know of any script that's been written in this way that, that tells, uh, uh, that has so many nuances that, that are truly from the African-American perspective in 2020. Um, uh, and I, I, I mentioned to, to Odell that my hope is that uh, this will be the raisin in the sun of this generation. Beautiful. Oh, you know, I have to, have to tell you what Jonathan um, suggested is we have um, Howard K. Hill is actually speaking his own part uh, as the role of the funeral director. So, see, you gave that away. You probably weren't supposed to say that, but no, that's okay. <laughs> that's 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 a plug. <laughs> so we just All have right. two minutes left and, and Alexis I'm sorry we lost you but thank you for joining back in my final question and I'm going to go to Odell for final um, remarks is uh, how, were you at all worried about when the production was finally being aired uh, how Odell would go through that uh, yes yeah, sorry about that my wi-fi dropped off That's okay but yeah I um if you mean personally yeah, I'm definitely, I want to keep in mind the, the care, uh, caring for the people that are involved in this production, and especially Odell. I think she's she's been on my mind throughout the beginning when I joined this process and the moment that I had that conversation with her on the phone. And I am just, I'm definitely convinced that she's just a profoundly strong person. Uh, I, I have no doubt in my mind that she can take care of herself, she can take care of her emotions, and she's taken the steps to make sure that she protects her emotions throughout this process, as she's explained. Um, but of course, I think that everyone that's involved is very is going to be uh, going to be thinking of her in in those rehearsals and going to be thinking of her when the production airs online. Um, of course, we all will be um, because she's she's the very essence of this story. Um, and 
yeah, I think that's something that we'll we'll be keeping. It's her journey, and we're we're very happy and proud to be a part of it. So. Thank you, Alexis. Okay, Kathy. Yes, thank you for this opportunity, and I'm going to turn it back over to you for final comments. Um, so this is our first podcast. We have five more. Um, next week, Kathy and I are going to talk about another scene from the production called How Did I Get Here? Um, so that's all I'm saying. That is next week. How did I get here? And so in words, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what you have planned. Oh, yes. And no matter how dark the clouds may seem in your life, when you rise above them, the sun is always shining. Thank you all for being here. I love you. Appreciate you. And um, we'll be Kathy, my host. I'll see you next week. Good night. Thank you. Good night.